and maybe a little upset that he doesn't have that quality time with your husband anymore. Right. And it was like the light bulb went on for me. I was like, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> What's going oh. on? <laughs> right. <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 204 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. It's going to be a glorious day. David? Do you remember to say, how to say 204 in Spanish? Uh, deuce. <laughs> no, I don't. You don't? No. Oh, come on and try. Dos seques pasho. Doscientos cuatro. See, I was close. <laughs> okay. You know, I have a question for our listeners. And what might that be? Does your husband or your partner come to tell you something is happening before dealing with the issue themselves? Give me an example. For example, David walks outside the other day. Well, he opens the front door and he said, your water spilt all over the table. Mm-hmm. So I come in and he's going to the laundry room to get some towels to help clean it up. But I'm curious why you found it important to come tell me before you went to get towels to clean it up, because that was a good minute. It was not a minute. Okay, 30 seconds. I'm probably not even that. Okay. 18 seconds. Okay. So you want the real answer? Yeah. Because you shouldn't leave a stupid water on the table with the lid off of it. Oh. With dogs running around. Oh. Okay. So when your coffee cup's sitting there, I need to let you know. If it spills, yeah. Oh, so I need to wait till it spills to tell you. Yeah. And then let... The coffee makes such a mess. Well, I mean, it was your water uh-huh. uh, that spilled all over your papers near your laptop uh-huh. that you left there. I felt it important for you to know. But you didn't feel it more important to start cleaning it up so it didn't damage anything. I could tell that, you know, I've seen enough bounty commercials to know I had enough time. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. But we'll play that way. So, but, you know, this is also coming from the woman who doesn't know the difference between substitute. Hey, and <laughs> I do know the difference. You don't know the meaning of the word substitute. I do know the difference. Okay, folks. So, the other night, David and I went to eat, and on the menu, it said, hang on, I'm going to repeat it verbally, verbally. Verbably. Yeah, verbally. Go ahead. I'm going verbally. to repeat it verbally. Now we know why you leave your water on the table without <laughs> a lid. It said, substitute chips for fries plus 
or 225, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when I saw that, I said, that's odd. It says substitute chips for fries. So the way I read that is it comes with fries, but if you want chips, you're going to pay $2.25 extra. No, so the way around. The menu says substitute chips for fries plus $2.25. Now, hang on, hang on, because (laughs) I did notice today when I was looking for food again. (laughs) <laughs> this other restaurant says to substitute house salad for slaw at a dollar ninety nine. Okay. So they're saying if you want to substitute a salad for the slaw, you're gonna add a dollar ninety nine. Okay. Okay. But this other one substitute chips for fries. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> well, what did your Facebook poll come up with? Well, your son doesn't help anything because um, he's like, first mistake, arguing with dad or disagreeing with dad. <laughs> the majority of people sided with me, like 90%. One of Jackson's friend's dads responded and said, I'm the owner of the restaurant. (laughs) Some people responded, chips. Someone said, nacho and move on. (laughs) Again, my question is, do you pay more for the chips or do you pay more for the fries? That way, it was clear on their answers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Chips. The old lady across the street says, for clarity, it should read, for fries instead of chips, add two twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so, disagree. So see, it should be she clarified. said it's wrong, too. Um, Branson says, in a literary sense, fries. The s- sentence can be broken down as, in place of, parentheses, getting rid of, parentheses, getting chips, you could get fries for an additional two twenty five. It's just worded differently. <laughs> I said, I disagree. <laughs> In a literary sense. Oh, please, brother. I mean, you've got every right to be wrong. So then, Jackson's friend's dad says, when you have a substitute teacher, that individual is substituting in place of the default teacher. If you substitute chips, it means you are placing them there instead of the default option. As it reads, chips should be extra, not fries. Boom, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but but I ordered fries and I got charged two twenty five. <laughs> I know, and I put that in one of the comments, and then I was thinking, people can go, is she complaining about getting charged two twenty five for fries? No, but it makes no sense. You got it backwards. It's butt backwards. <laughs> I'm going to call them and tell them. <laughs> I'm say, look, a week and a half ago, David and I ain't there. I thought we'd go back and order fries again, and then when they charge me again, I'm going to say I'm not paying two twenty five because Facebook said I didn't have to. No, <laughs> Sylvia Krakauer agreed. She said go back and order chips next time. She said they'll charge you two twenty five. Yeah, they probably will. Yep, it's one of those things where nobody argues with it. 
Yep, it's a ripoff. It's, the way they have it worded, they can add that two twenty five in there for chips or fries. Well, here's what gets me. So for all you waitresses and waiters or wait people, wherever you want to be, when when something that you offer the person there to eat is is going to cost them more, you should tell them that. Like there was no point. She goes, "Hey, do you want fries or chips?" And I'm like, "Okay, oh, I'll take fries." Well, actually, actually, she I said, think she said like fries, chips, and something else. Fries, chips, onion rings, tater tots, raw fries. Right. So she get, so she gives me all these options. Well. Okay, it sounds to me like all these options are the same price. Pick one. So what they should have said, in my opinion, <laughs> is um, if, when if, I said, if, oh, fries, so they should say, oh, well, fries is two twenty five more or whatever. But um, they didn't say that. No. That's just a, that's just a I, that annoys me. Like, why can't people just tell you that? Because I've been places where they don't tell you that they're going to charge you extra for something. You get the bill, and it's like $10 more. I'm like, I think you should have told me that. Yeah. It, it would have changed my decision because it wasn't worth two twenty five for fries. Yeah. And if you got old menus with the wrong prices. <laughs> All right. We're going off the rails, folks. We're going off the rails. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> okay. All right. See, see what it's like to live around us. <laughs> got people going, I could never. <laughs> now you got people saying, where's that fast forward button? How long are they going to talk this time? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today is stepmom on the crazy train. She was a previous guest on our podcast. She was a guest in October of 2021. Episode 125. Hmm. So, she gives us an update about what's going on, man. She went from being a part-time stepmom to a full-time stepmom overnight. Currently, she's been blending almost nine years. Stepson, 15 and a half. Bio son, 13 and a half. Something unique about their blend is everyone in the blend is neurodivergent or ADD, or both. That's why she stepped mom on the crazy train. Mm, sounds like it. <laughs> Her best advice, I got to read this. Girl, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. It's going to take a ton of prayer in Jesus. Step back and remove yourself from parenting. Take a break and do some self-care. Just because you are what he needs and longs for in a parent, you are not mommy. He wants it from her, not you. Man, that's a lot of advice wrapped up in that one. A lot of good advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She said at one point she fell off the nacho wagon and immediately regretted it. <laughs> I'm sure there's a good story behind that one. There's not many wagons you don't fall off of and immediately regret it. <laughs> that's true. Let's get to listening. <laughs> Let's get to listening to the stepmom on the crazy train as we revisit her. A year and a half later. Da, da, da. Today, we have the privilege of having a guest from about a year and a half ago return to tell us what's going on. This stepmom is on the crazy train, and her original episode was podcast number 125. So, stepmom on the crazy train, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your blend. And then we'll talk about how things have changed since we spoke to you last. 
Yeah, well, I'm glad to be back. Oh, gosh. Let's see. We are going on eight to nine years blending now. We just have two kids, one between each of us, stepson who is 15 and a half and biosen who is 13 and a half. We had been on a schedule where my stepson was with us two, two, five, and every other weekend. And in November, overnight, <laughs> became full-timers where he has no contact with his mom now. And when I say overnight, I got a phone call and said, hey, I'm on my way to go pick him up. Surprise. <laughs> so, Had y'all ever talked about that being a possibility? It had been mentioned in conversations, but because of how protective of his mom is, we didn't really see it happening. Right. We just figured he would kind of gimp along and make excuses for her, maybe be with us more, but still keep that window of contact open. All right. We were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So you get the phone call. Hey, I'm going to go get my son and he's going to live here forever, every day, forever. (laughs) (laughs) After you threw up, then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just, he kind of gave me a overview of what was going down. His ex actually called him and said, come get your kid. And I did. I felt sick, but it was like, oh, Jesus, help us. Because is this going to become a legal battle? You know, I had all kinds of things going through my head. You Mm -hmm. know, is this going to be one of those horrid nightmares that (laughs) everything goes down the tubes? Because, you know, once you've been in the academy for a long time and even on the Facebook page, you hear and see all kinds of horror stories. Mm -hmm. So I just, I don't know, I just prayed really, really hard and had everything going through my head. And of course, when uh, he got home, things were kind of weird because of what he had gone through. So I think you and I had talked over email about a month ago and you're like, Hey, we need an update. Probably was it a month before we got that phone call? Things were starting to escalate with him and his mom. Since you and I talked almost two years ago, things escalated with my stepson and his mom, her cycles of, of abuse and kind of went off the rails were four to five times a year. And the worst one was always in February and March. Each year since you and I talked, it's kind of gotten worse. So we were questioning and go, he was starting to see through things, but I think the catalyst for him to really see through everything because he had started understanding what his mom had done to his dad over the years and And he had been catching her in lies, but he rededicated his life to Jesus and and got baptized. And it's like, it removed the scales from his eyes. And the day before he got baptized, I guess she went off the rails and he called the cops on her for the first time ever. Wow. uh, Yeah, she, she never had the cops called on her. So this is kind of the first time she was held accountable, which she did go a little nuts. But she fed the cop one line and my stepson, another, and the cop more or less said, Hey dude, I believe you, but there's no record of domestic violence (laughs) and you don't have any marks on you. And so I can't take you. Mm -hmm. 
in our county, he he couldn't take him. So, so she came to the Baptist and played happy, happy mommy. And it was really awkward. <laughs> was he staying with y'all or staying with her when he got baptized? He was staying with her. Okay. He was staying with her. And it was her weekend. So we were allowed to pick him up and get him to church early or different things. But it was it was odd because you could see he was very uncomfortable considering what had just happened the night before. Yeah. Two days later from that, he always goes to his dad's shop after school. And he walked in from the bus and looked at his dad. He said, I'm leaving mom's tonight. I'm not staying. And uh, when she picked him up to go back to her house, he walked to his room and started packing things. And she caught him and was like, what's going on? Because she told him after the whole cop situation, she's like, well, if you really hate being here that much, then I guess you can go live with your dad. You can choose. But she still had it stuck in her head that we were influencing his decision. Mm-hmm. And that Tuesday, he more or less set her down and said, here's all the reasons why I don't want to be with you anymore. How and mature like of him, a verbal though. declaration. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, people don't understand. You know, we have all these expectations. And, well, why can't they just stand up to their parent who's doing this? Well, number one, it's their parent. And there's that loyalty bind there. And, and it's their mom. And it, it's their dad, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And to stand up to your abuser as an adult, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But, and to expect a child to do that who is emotionally immature and traumatized is really far-reaching. So yeah, it was it was really big of him to do that. So she understood it was his decision and his choice, but by declaring those things, it really broke a lot of stuff off. He was like a different kid. Yeah. It was there was no comparison because from the time I talked to you last time, I had to end up some not stuff. I don't know if you remember some of my posts in the academy, but there was lots of crazy things that happened the manipulation and triangulation and just things my stepson was getting into. It was becoming pretty hard. So I would have to yo-yo back and forth between Nacho Supreme and, oh, it's okay if I do this now. And then, oh, nope, can't do that. Yes. Which things ebb and flow. And that's kind of to be expected in high conflict situations. It's not going to, it's not going to um, stay the same (laughs) because there's too many outside factors that influence everything mm-hmm. so but anyway things were fine and then after oh gosh my husband's grandpa died in the middle of all of this and so everybody says when grief happens it makes old traumas resurface and, and that is so true it really messed with my my husband and my stepson really badly through all of this so they've got the trauma our blend's been reset people say that when you're your living situations with kids, if they change their visitation schedule with one parent or the other, it will change your dynamics. And that is so true. I, I knew it, but until I experienced it, it was like, wow, they really did mean that. It, it really is true. Right. So, and even if, even if you're living there, if you get married uh-huh. to your partner, that resets the blend. Uh-huh. Any yep. quote, quote, big changes reset mm-hmm. the blend. And some people are like, wait a minute, we were doing great for five years and then we get married and then bam. But it's because that yeah. blend was reset. Things changed. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and and then if you throw in, like, for example, our situation, we've got trauma from abuse. We've also got neurodivergence. So when any changes like that happen, it's like this extra big whammy for everybody involved because routines change. (laughs) Everything changes. But I do want to say it's even more impressive with him being neurodivergent that he talked to his mom about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to voice that. And in all honesty, it's just a God saying that that did happen because for years, as more and more things came out of how abusive my husband's ex was and is, we, our hands were tied because if we did try to help get stepson out of that situation, he would protect mommy. Mm-hmm. And he would even go so far as to lie about us to get us in trouble or threaten that he would do so if he was backed into a corner and made to report her. So our hands were tied and really all we could do is we knew was right for him while he was with us and then just fall on our knees and say, Jesus, please, please help us get him out of this situation because we can't do anything else. We don't know what else to do. We sought legal help. We did everything we could. And they all said the same thing until he is willing to tell the truth and not protect mommy. You can't do anything. Yeah. And it really sucks because everyone's always like, oh, well, you need to call CPS and advocate and this and that. Well, if the kid isn't willing to tell on their parent, it's futile. All it does is create this huge mess. Yep. So they have to be in a place where they can see through and recognize what's going on themselves. And that's a big ask for kids. But there is such a um, spiritual component to a lot of these abusive situations people don't even realize. Yes, there's mental health issues and, and abuse causes trauma. But a lot of these things, for people to be as as mean and nasty to children, there's evil behind it. And whenever you remove a child from that situation, to see how they blossom and how they change is incredible. And you just see just how much of it was trauma-based. But there is a honeymoon period (laughs) Mm -hmm. with trauma. And everything goes fine. But once everybody gets in their routine and, and their their loop of what to expect, old things resurface. And it's not out of meanness or hostility. It's just self-preservation from trauma. Mm -hmm. And uh, that can make, like in our situation, things were so, so bad for six years before, five, six years before we found Nacho. There was a lot of trauma caused in our own blend that were caused from my stepson's trauma plus neurodivergent, it it traumatized everybody in the blend. So as the honeymoon period is ended, which would be about the time you and I emailed when we were talking, you're like, Hey, let's schedule this. No less than three days later. It's like, okay, honeymoon period's over. (laughs) (laughs) Let my flag fly. I was like, well, really, this is just great timing. So, but it impacts those in the home because you've already gone through the, okay, so we're, we're settled into this new routine. Yes, it did reset the blend. Did it set it back to square one? Not entirely, but some things, yes. Yes. And I think that was probably the disheartening thing for me with my husband, because keep in mind, he had been abused for years. So he's got trauma too, right? Mm -hmm. And whenever you've got two individuals 
a parent and a child that endure the same type of trauma, the defense mechanism is much greater <laughs> than in a non-traumatized environment. And everybody's default for how they deal with trauma is different. And, and one of the things that my husband has always done is he forgets. Like he buries it so deep, he forgets. And sometimes he legit forgets. We joke about it and call it Groundhog Day memory in our house. <laughs> I've got that. <laughs> it, makes for, <laughs> it makes for really funny stories, but it really sucks to live it out sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So some of the things with Nacho, you know, you don't say anything negative about the stepkid. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're thrown together all the time, <laughs> it's really hard. When there are certain situations that have to be dealt with, because everybody's neurodivergent. So it's not like you can handle things in a typical manner. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. you have to try to find out the best way to say things without actually saying anything negative, but also dealing with the situation. And sometimes I, you know, you try that 10,000 different ways and it doesn't work and you finally have to be really blunt. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But my, my husband has said, well, you know, it wasn't that bad the first six years we were together, you know, and, and I'm sitting there going, well, I've got permanent health issues because of it. And my son and I have like CPTSD now. So yeah, it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I fell off the nacho wagon a couple of times and said something and instantly regretted it because there was the knee jerk defense and lack of memory on top of it. So it just caused a, a, an unnecessary argument and hurt feelings that did no good. Yeah. So let's just clarify for our mm-hmm. listeners that haven't heard your first one. Basically, everyone in your blend is neurodivergent, correct? Yeah. Yeah, we've got ADHD, little autism-y, spectrum-y, OCD. My stepson has ADHD, a little bit of ODD. OCD, anxiety, PTSD from the trauma. There were discussions about RAD, which is basically an attachment issue caused by severe trauma, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't ever sought. So when you and I talked last time, my stepson was getting consistent therapy, consistent-ish. So that stopped shortly after you and I talked last time. Yeah. And my husband's got OCD. A lot of the health issues that I acquired from the long-term stress, those symptoms are a lot like ADHD, autism. My stepson, I said, all these things, but they're wondering if most of those are just um, hereditary bipolar because that's big time in his family. My son is a little quirky, a little ADD, mm-hmm. maybe autism. We haven't had a full evaluation there, but... Yeah, so that that makes it fun. So, but and everybody's got you've got divorce trauma that happens, right? Well, mm-hmm. I came out of, of an abusive relationship years ago. I was only in it for maybe three years. My husband, on the other hand, was in it for ten years with his ex. abuse to him and with his ex, with the the ex of my my uh, stepson's mom. Mm-hmm. So he was in that for ten years. And the longer you're in that, the more. It damages your brain. People don't think that it really does damage your brain. It does. (laughs) It does. Long-term trauma actually shrinks your hippocampus region of your brain, which deals with memory and emotional regulations. So that's always fun. I'm actually reading a book now called The Seven Sins of Memory. Mm -hmm. And it talks about the things that can influence your memory 
to where they're not true. You forget things that are yeah. true, and you remember things mm-hmm. that aren't. Yeah. Well, I think it was from one of, was it one of your courses maybe, or was it a podcast of yours that I listened to where you said, we're hardwired to remember the negative things. And it's sort of a self-preservation mechanism so we don't you know, get hurt again. Yeah. I think that's we in do. the academy. Remember, yeah, maybe so. We just remember the, the negative things. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be more intentional to remember the positive things. Exactly. <laughs> And you know what? I often wonder if, and this is far, far out there kind of thing, but I wonder if our DNA from Mm -hmm. our ancestors carry that trauma to where it causes us to react to certain situations because of something they dealt with. Well, certainly generational trauma is a real thing. It really is. If you look it up, because we perpetuate the things that we've gone through unintentionally, sometimes in how we behave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it creates a sort of trauma situation all over again. So it requires a lot of work. People are, you know, yes, Jesus can heal us from these things, but we also have to do our part. We have to work at it. We have to get some education on how to help ourselves and help those around us. But, but the ones around you that, like in our household, the ones around you that are going through some of the traumatic things or, or memory issues, you can't make them remember and you can't make them get over it faster <laughs> until mm-hmm. they're ready to. So you have to find ways to try to handle, if you will, the trauma that they are accidentally projecting with their moods, the unstable moods that come from trauma situations. So. What we're finding out, high conflict, bio mom and stepson, they have a cycle that is about five times a year where they get into it and she becomes physical, verbal. It's really nasty blow blow up and there's one a year that's bigger. Well, we are in that season of the one that's usually her biggest blow up. Mm -hmm. You said February or March. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of had a taste of it a couple of weeks ago but it wasn't the biggest thing. And she's been dead silent for a little over two weeks. So everyone's a little bit on edge, (laughs) if you will. Mm -hmm. And uh, right before, was it a month before my stepson came to move with us? Things were so bad with him and his mother during one of those cycles. He started writing suicide letters. Oh, wow. And went and talked to his, his teacher at school. Um, not his teacher, the superintendent, sorry. And she basically called my husband and his ex and said he needs to go to the local mental hospital and get evaluated. This is serious. Right. So it, it took her getting involved before they realized how serious things were, if that makes sense. Because over years, I guess the ex would throw that out like, oh, I'm going to kill myself to get attention. Mm-hmm. maybe not meaning it or just to be over dramatic because some people do that unfortunately so he got a, an evaluation there and uh, they didn't disclose all of it he it wasn't in our county so he's still in the queue to get his case completely evaluated that way not just through a counseling therapist psychologist session but they told her he needed to be put on medicine so a month before he came to stay with us, 
she took him to the local doctor and put him on um, Prozac. Mm-hmm. And things were a week before he came were still so bad. She upped his dose. She called the doctor and said, it's not working and upped his dose. Mm. That really messed with him. People be careful with the medication. You just randomly decide (laughs) to get put on, do your homework because we found out it's one of the most dangerous ones for teenagers, especially to be put on. Really? And if you, it's the most common one prescribed, which is what's scary. And your genetics on whether you can tolerate it or it works for you is a big factor. And you can't just cut it cold turkey. You have to be weaned off of it. But so in the middle of all of this, he's got the medicine messing with him. We've got him back down to the microdose, but it's still messing with him. It makes the highs highs and the lows lows, Mm -hmm. lower, if that makes sense. They're more extreme. But Yeah, it wasn't really evening things out. No, no, no. And then you throw in these seasons where he's on edge anyway. Mm -hmm. It makes it even worse. But to top all that off, so historically with his his ADHD, he's never handled sugar well. Like it would spiral him. Like I've never seen someone so hyperactive and then have such a massive sugar crash where he'd be mean for two days after. Oh, wow. So that was whenever he was a kid because I've been around since he was seven or a little before seven. So when you take that, that usually isn't necessarily more ADHD. It, it goes more with bipolar. And I think everybody's different based on their, their body makeup. But for him, he just never tolerated it. sugar well. We found out that it, for him, it interacts with Prozac really bad. It'll make it not work at all. Or it'll make his manic even more manic <laughs> and his depressive even more depressive. Hmm. So he's told his dad, he's like, I think I want to be taken off of it. Go back to the stuff that you guys had me on before because we had some natural stuff that was working pretty well for him. And he's he was more regulated. If you don't mind, can you share some of that? Because somebody listening might be like, I need that. Do you know off the sure. top of your head what it was? Yeah. yeah. Let's see. It's called Joy Filled. Okay. And we also would use. 5-HTP and L-theanine and magnesium Mm -hmm. at night. Those are all hormone regulators and mood stabilizers that are natural, so they're not going to screw you up. (laughs) Right. But yeah, they they really did help. And it's not something that's going to harm you, if -hmm. you will. You know, like some of the side effects of of prescription stuff can be crazy, and not everybody has them. Yeah, you watch TV and it's, it's, oh, we can help you with your dry eyes. And then it says, may cause constipation, death, irregular heartbeat, <laughs> an extra ear growing on your head. <laughs> yeah. By the time you're done with the commercial, we're like, okay, I don't want to take that because I don't want to die. <laughs> right. I'll just have dry eyes. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're we're trying to get that straightened out. Um, I told my husband today, I was like, you really need to call his doctor and see if there's something else they can transition him to that's maybe time released that would be easier for him to come off of mm-hmm. because they're capsules. So it's not like we can cut tablets down and slowly wean him off ourselves. It's not like that. So, Well, you could always get those veggie capsules and open the capsule and put half in a veggie capsule, you know. Well, that is true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a good idea. Yeah, one of um, 
one of David's kids was on ADD medicine or ADHD medicine, and it was too strong. Mm-hmm. And but it was like the mm-hmm. lowest dose, and it was a capsule. And mm-hmm. of course, we checked with the doctor, and I also checked with my dad because he's a pharmacist. And they were like, "Yeah, just." Mm-hmm. Buy the clear veggie capsules, open it, put about half in there. It doesn't matter if it's exact, but that way it's not as strong for him. That is an awesome idea. That is a good idea because you're right. Some of the microdoses aren't aren't low enough. They mm-hmm. really aren't. But, and and it works different for everybody. I was talking to a family member yesterday, and they had a different one that they were taking that was time-released, and it worked great for them. Mm-hmm. So I did some research thinking, well, maybe that's something, you know, he could transition to. And unfortunately, it didn't cover a lot of the things that he needed right. needed help with. But um, so, yeah, there's just, <laughs> you throw all of that. And it's like this one giant mixed bag full of everything. If someone were to say, so what was the biggest challenge? Well, right now, <laughs> we got everything going on. So I can't pinpoint. <laughs> it would be easier to say the things that aren't. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I have noticed. Oh, last night my husband and I were talking, and he said, out of the blue, his son said, "You know, I was thinking maybe things weren't as bad at mom's." And he's like, "What? (laughs) What do you mean by that?" Well, maybe if I would have listened to her more, because you take two people that have the same mental health struggle Mm -hmm. in an environment that is is negatively spiritually impacted. And it's a big hot mess. They feed off of each other and it explodes until someone gets hurt. So there was a lot of questions my husband asked him, like, you know, can you clarify that? What does that mean? Because he was thinking, oh, no, did he lie to us? And she really didn't do these things, (laughs) which wasn't the case. But it's interesting. The longer you're removed from an abusive situation, you start thinking about, okay, what did I do to contribute to that? Did I cause it? You know, it's kind of this weird mind bend that your brain plays on you. I know with my ex, after we split up, I knew just from experience, you tend, even though we say you remember the bad, you also kind of forget the bad sometimes. And so I made a Mm -hmm. list of everything that he had done to hurt me and I put it Mm -hmm. beside the phone. That way, every time he called me, I saw that list. No. Sorry, I think we overlap. My phone was kind of laggy there. Go ahead. Yeah. You looked at it every time? Yeah, because if I didn't, I was going to get sucked back in. And I knew that we were in a very unhealthy relationship. And that wasn't going to change. And it's not like I would answer the phone and just be hateful. It was just reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you have to remind yourself is the reality of just because there were the good moments doesn't change who they, they were. and. And that's what's hard right now is she takes no responsibility for what she did. She doesn't think she did anything wrong. And unfortunately, (laughs) uh, my husband's family has contributed to that because they are so much about keeping the peace that they enable people Mm -hmm. in the name of trying to reach them for Jesus. And so many people have that misconception (laughs) and, and we've tried to set boundaries for years and be like, Hey, you guys are making life over here because you're trying to be nice to her, but it's, it's feeding the fire, if you will. She feels more empowered to be more abusive. So it's making stepson's life more miserable and thereby, you know, we have the consequences of that to live through at our house. 
because mm-hmm. it does affect our house, even though it's not in our house. And uh, so through um, when my husband's grandpa passed away, yeah, they all played this wonderful little happy family game. And it, it was kind of sickening how it encouraged her to be more forceful and more, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It was, it was kind of sickening, but well, and your stepson, he could start believing that too. Yeah. Well, and, and since you and I talked, it's interesting. Some of the things that my husband and I have observed with his side of the family and even mine, everybody is dealt a bag of icky stuff. Everybody has their ick and, and you make the best of what you're dealt in life. And our parents just did what they knew was best, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't toxic (laughs) or, Mm -hmm. or bad. And some of the things like with his side of the family in the name of keeping the peace and being like Jesus, they enabled abusers and toxicity, something horrible for two generations. And they thought they were doing good. And and it actually was really, really bad. Mm -hmm. It affected people. So, you know, I, I think I told you my stepson apologized to me for all the things that he'd done. And he says he doesn't remember some of them, but some of them he does. And he kind of remembers playing it up to my, my husband's parents, like trying to turn them against me because <laughs> he was mad at me. Mm-hmm. So that really heavily influenced things over the last couple of years. And I don't really have much of a relationship with my in-laws at all because of that. And my husband's just holding on by the skin of his teeth. Um, so, and that's um, hard. I kind of thought it is, it is, it is hard. I kind of thought about asking my stepson like, well, cause he'll be open to talk about things every now and then we don't bring it up. If he wants to talk about it, we'll talk about it. But I've wondered about asking him. So, you know, you said you felt bad for, and you've apologized to me for these things. Have you thought about like going back to grandma and grandpa and being like, Hey, (laughs) I screwed up. You know, I, I made you guys believe these things that weren't true. And if that would even make a difference, but, but I don't know, you know, because people choose to believe what they want to believe, whatever fits the narrative they like best. Well, you would think that they would see that his relationship with you has improved. They do, but it was really interesting. My husband's mom freaked out when he moved with us, more so than when he was living with his abuser that she knew he was getting abused with, right? Mm-hmm. So twisted. She was messaging multiple times daily. What are you doing? What are you eating? Where are you going? Are you okay? And then reporting back to bio mom. And my stepson and my husband finally started ignoring those because it was just too much. They do see where things are better, but you know, everybody's probably just sitting back watching everybody. (laughs) You know, how long is it going to last? Is it real? Is it not? You know, so only time will tell how those things will pan out. Right. So how about your son? When stepson came to live with y'all full time. Now Mm -hmm. remind me how often you have your son. He's with me all the time, goes to his dad's maybe once a month. Okay. So before stepson was with us full time, my son had my husband, who's more like dad, at least a couple of nights a week, maybe three nights a week, all by himself. Like he didn't have to share him 
with my stepson. Right. And my husband would play Xbox with him, do the typical guy wrestle things, you know, and quality time. And I would say the first week that my stepson moved in with us, my husband and I had a conversation and had this list of things that we needed to be sure and not change, make sure different things wouldn't change in our dynamic. And of course, bless my husband's heart, all of that changed. It was like flushed down the toilet because <laughs> mm-hmm. of his own grief and trauma. He just he couldn't help it. So everything he said wouldn't change did change. And one of those being my son would sit on my husband's lap and play games and just do all that stuff, you know, those few nights a week. Well, that all stopped mm-hmm. pretty instantly. And I didn't make the connection until probably two months later, my son started having some behavioral issues. <laughs> it was very disconcerting. It was just, you know, whenever your kid makes you repeat yourself 9,564 times and you're just totally exasperated mm-hmm. and they do the same thing they're not supposed to do every day, 20 times a day. It was kind of like that. And um, I was getting more increasingly frustrated and burnt out and wondering what was going on. And then finally, you know, as I'm praying about it, trying to figure out what's going on, my mother, she was like, well, do you think he's like totally stressed out waiting for the other shoe to drop, like waiting for stepson to go back to how it used to be and maybe a little upset that he doesn't have that quality time with your husband anymore. Right. And it was like the light bulb went on for me. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what's going <duh>. on? <laughs> right. <laughs> So my son and I had a conversation about some of those things and, you know, teenagers and kids, things go on in the back of their mind and they don't really dwell on it and make the connections of what is what they'll just go. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so we had a conversation where he threw out a whole lot of, I don't know. And then a few days later, he's like, Hey mom. Yeah, that really, that really is it. So I kind of approached my husband with some of those things. You you said X, Y, Z wouldn't change. Well, X, Y, Z did change. You know, everything changed. And um, my, my son's also grieving the loss of this quality time with you. He doesn't get you anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like you've completely stopped. And my husband was defensive about it. But was it a week or two ago? For the first time since November for a few nights in a row, him and my husband just kind of, they goofed around and wrestled a bit. And my son sat, sat on his lap. It's pretty clingy to him. So, but that's since November, you know? Yeah. So he's, he's had some frustrations (laughs) with things changing. I've, I've let him go and do more things than usual. Kind of, kind of like when I was nacho supreming and having to make sure we were gone a lot. It's kind of digressed down to that. So that way, um, there's not so many triggers for everybody for a little while. And I'm wondering if that'll go away if medicine's changed for my stepson or if that'll help at all. How do stepson and bioson get along? They've gotten along better than they ever have over the last six months. Can't, was it when they went to church camp? Or right before then, things started getting better. It was kind of a better and worse rolled in together, if that makes sense, because stepson was getting into different things that he shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. 
experimenting. So he was kind of moody, <laughs> moodier, I should say, mm-hmm. and had some girlfriend experiences rolled in there that were kind of wacky. Oh, like, Lord, add that to it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Have you ever had anybody threaten to sue you because you said your son couldn't date their daughter? No. We had that happen. And my mind just exploded because I was like, are you kidding me? I have never heard such a thing. <laughs> so you were threatened by yeah. some little girl's parents that we're going to sue you if you don't let your son date our daughter. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was that. And <laughs> she was a traumatized little girl herself. She was going around telling her trauma story and with some elaborations mixed in there. And she tried telling her mama that we were the ones spreading the story. So it was kind of like, I'm going to see you for defamation and I'm going to see you because you won't let them date. It was really, really messed up. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Which legally they can't really do that. It was just, it was funny, but also like, I don't know, confusing. <laughs> it's just un- unreal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very confusing. Yeah. So be like, you better date her son because we can't afford to <laughs> go to court over this. <laughs> Right. (laughs) It's crazy. Oh, it is. So, I mean, they get along better. My stepson admitted his issue with my son was jealousy because he got his dad more than him and he had a mom who wasn't abusive. Yeah. He had relationships that my stepson wanted that he couldn't have. So, um, that's where a lot of it went to, but they get along pretty well. I mean, even though my son's kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop, they still get along. They know if they need space, they don't just sit there and antagonize each other like like they used to when they were a lot younger. Mm -hmm. I think maturity has something to do with that. And um, they both have their uh, different friend groups. So they have things that they do together, but things that they do separately, but overall pretty good. I think a lot of that has to do with nacho because I don't know if you remember me telling you I had to teach my son how to nacho. So he's had to apply that through situations and also, you know, the spiritual dynamics. When all of those things change, it's kind of a domino effect. It affects everything. Yes. Yes. I do remember that about teaching uh, your son how to nacho. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just tell him, well, you you need to step back for a bit if something comes up, you know, or you need to. Just leave it alone. Well, and we have to remember, too, that especially with these kids pretty much being there all the time together, they are Mm -hmm. going to have conflict and they're going to not get along at times. But it doesn't mean that you Mm -hmm. and your husband go, oh, we better get divorced or we better live separately because the kids (laughs) don't like each other. No, No, my husband said, you know what, boys, I didn't like my brother until I graduated and left home. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He said, that's just how it goes sometimes. But um, no, they'll both tell you that they like to do stuff together. They'll take, um, they'll have boys camping trips. They still do that and they enjoy it now. Not like it used to be where it was like, oh, I want to take a boys trip. Mom, that sucked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Now I'm curious, is by a mom fairly religious? What prompted stepson to get baptized? Do you have any idea? Yeah. And to answer your question for bio mom, no, their family does not want anything to do with God or Jesus or religion or relationship. Not a, mm-hmm. um, as a matter of fact, that was discouraged and made fun of. 
So they would actually make fun of that aspect of our family. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who have a home church. We go to Bible study. I think you and I talked last time that we were going to try to do like a blended family support group. Well, that kind of fell through, but we're on the other side of that where we deal with a lot of young people. We're working with young people now that are from blended families and trauma and stuff. So we are the ones who do that. The boys went to church camp probably six months before church camp. My stepson went to a men's retreat with his grandpa Mm -hmm. and he went forward to give his heart to Jesus. And then when they did church camp for the kids, he decided he needed to rededicate because that was a time when things were going really wonky. He was experimenting and, and a lot of that has to do with the the anger because he confessed. He's like, you know, I would pray for God to heal my mom and make my mom a different person. And it wouldn't happen. It would make me angry at God, Mm -hmm. not understanding that people have a choice, you know? Right. Anyway, so that was kind of the facilitator of him getting saved and, and baptized. The youth pastor explained the importance of getting baptized to the kids, and he put together a baptismal Sunday for all the young people that went up front during youth camp, and they could either sign up to get baptized or not. That was their choice, and he signed up for it. So, But you never knew how much that was going to change things. No, I mean, you know things based on your studies that you do or things that you watch other people walk through, but experiencing it yourself is is completely different mm-hmm. especially when it's things that you've prayed for <laughs> and they start happening you're like oh is this really happening is this really is this really going to change you know mm-hmm. it really does change a lot of things it doesn't mean that there won't be struggles or things won't be hard especially when there's so much past trauma because as much as you can be healed from trauma your body stores it and responds through memory mm-hmm. without you even thinking about it right So those are things you just have to recognize and learn techniques to work through it. You have to be aware, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Makes perfect sense. Because like you said, your body has stored this trauma and you have to become aware of, wait a minute, I'm reacting or overreacting to this situation because of my past. Mm -hmm. Almost like, say, for instance, David and I were both cheated on in our last relationships. So mm-hmm. if I did something one day that his ex had done that made him mm-hmm. question whether she was being faithful or not, then that trauma could come forward and he could honestly convince himself Lori's doing the same crap. Yeah. My husband and I went through that. Yeah. It's just those traumas, you don't understand how, how much they can impact you lifelong mm-hmm. <laughs> until it happens. And you're like, oh, oh, I did not know. Like I said, the grief that brought the trauma forward for my husband when his grandpa passed away, he was being triggered by anything that reminded him of his ex. Mm-hmm. Anything, just random stuff. And his brain would put it together and he would be triggered. Whereas before it might not have been that way right. for a while. So yeah, it's just, those things happen mm-hmm. and you don't realize it till sometimes after or in, unless someone says something to you. Like, Oh yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> right. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. there have been times that you actually have to remind yourself, wait a minute, David is not this person that I was with before. 
or mm-hmm. David yeah. didn't hurt me like yeah. that. Just to remind yourself to back up and reevaluate things and be more in the present with what's going on. Right. Be more in the present. That's a good statement. I, you know, when my husband was being triggered and I was, I was so confused by how some, some of these responses that were happening. And I finally looked at him. I said, does this remind you of so-and-so? And he goes, yes. I said, well, I'm not her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just kind of blinked and he goes, I know. <laughs> I'm like, no, really? I'm not her. I know. You know, he had to be reminded and then sit there and think about it himself. And be like, yeah, that's not the person that did this to me. I'm just being triggered because of the other stuff. Right. And my mind is trying to protect me when it's actually hurting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 My stepson was going through some of that and he uh, was like, well, how do I stop? How do I stop responding this way? I know it's triggering me, but I don't recognize it till afterwards when I've been a jerk and I feel bad that I've been a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I remembered some of the stuff that you taught us in the boot camp. And I said, well, you need to identify why, you know, you need to sit down and ask yourself, what is it about the situation that is bothering me? And Mm -hmm. what do I control and what is out of my control? And he sat there a minute and thought, oh, yeah. So I don't know if he took anything away from that or not. Because, you know, teenagers, they've got better things to do. But you will be surprised later in life what things he did take with him. Mm-hmm. One of my stepsons talks about how he's just not going to lie. And I laugh because his girlfriend's like, sometimes I wish you would. <laughs> 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 like you're a little too honest there sometimes. But he said mm-hmm. that he remembered me coming home from work one day and I was talking to David. I wasn't even talking to the kids. And I mentioned how my boss had wanted me to lie to a customer about something. And I said, no. Mm -hmm. And I even went to my boss later and I said, I'm not doing that. You can fire me. You can write me up, whatever, but I'm not doing it. And he's like, it's Mm -hmm. no big deal. I said, maybe to you, it's not a big deal. But to me, it is because I don't lie. And that is something that people know about me and will never question Mm -hmm. if I'm telling them the truth. And so my stepson's like, you don't realize how much that made an impact on me. He said, because I want people to know what I'm saying is true and not question, well, is he lying? That's awesome. Yep. I said, I said, okay, so the good things you took out of life came from your stepmama. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But again, I wasn't even talking to them, but I did when they were growing Mm -hmm. up, especially pre-Nacho, I would, if they said something that was a lie, I'd be like, that's not true and y'all need to not lie. And I know all kids lie, Mm -hmm. they're testing boundaries, but they were past that age of testing boundaries. Mm -hmm. And they'd go, oh, everybody lies. I'm like, no, they don't. Oh, yes, they do. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't. Be careful what you ask me because I won't lie. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of how my stepson was, which some of that had to do with the reality versus perception. Yes. For him. So sometimes whenever he would lie, it was actually what he felt was the truth. Mm Mm-hmm. But then there were intentional ones, you know, but that's because that's what he saw on one side of the family. Well, everybody lies. Well, no, we don't in this house. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you're a parent or a step parent and you go to an amusement park and tell the kids, hey, 
tell them they're nine, not 10, because it's cheaper to get in that way. You're teaching your kids to lie and to yes, steal in my those opinion. little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those are principal issues that you're instilling in your children mm-hmm. that are far deeper than just the words that come out of their mouth. And even if they didn't ask yep. you to lie about your age, they would see you mm-hmm. do it. And they're like, oh, so it's no big deal to lie to get what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. You know, some of the stuff that we're dealing with now, because we've, we've got a different girlfriend experience going on and she's so (laughs) sweet. She's endured some of the things that my stepson has and they're good for each other, but we're finding out that he has withheld a lot of information from her (laughs) that is necessary and maybe even pretended like something wasn't as bad as it was. Mm -hmm. And, and some of that might be from pride and embarrassment, but whenever you have a mental health issue, that is so easily impacted by the foods that you eat or don't eat or the type of medicine you take or don't take that requires a sit down conversation because you can't hide that <laughs> forever because right. it will come out. And then when it does, they will feel like they've been defrauded. And that's kind of what we're going through now. And I can remember telling my husband, um, I'm like, you, you've got to help him disclose this information or, or encourage him to be honest about this and not try to hide it because it's not going to go well. It's also part of the principle of being upfront and honest and not dishonest in a roundabout way. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're going to do that. That's I've noticed with um, our dynamics changing the care, not caring more than the bio parent seems harder for me Mm -hmm. now because Stepson sometimes will call me mom, Uh maybe not to my face, but he'll go to me for mom things. And so, but I still legally have no say in anything. Right. So it's hard. It's hard to, because I'll get frustrated. I'll be like, hey, husband, you need to do X, Y, Z. Well, that was a month ago and he needs it now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't do it for you. Or if my husband's decided that it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. Right. Um, that's, that's hard. I think when the the honeymoon phase ended a few days after you and I emailed, I think I kind of went into a depressive state for about two and a half weeks. I was like, this sucks. Oh no. (laughs) But at the same time, I ran out of some of my medicine that I take my natural stuff for anxiety and and depression. And so I think that kind of all contributed to it. Oh, but I'm sure you also, first of all, order extra medicine lady but secondly <laughs> right <laughs> it's not like you got a prescription so just order extra right you probably aren't giving yourself enough grace because the changes that have happened are huge mm. and you're wanting to yeah, be more present right. and you're wanting to help this kid but then you're like well wait a minute I'm not the mom but you have learned through the academy and work in the program that there are areas you can help in without parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what got me was last night with my son, I got frustrated at something and I get frustrated at, at things that are patterns, like repeating patterns and not learning from them drives me insane. <laughs> it just does. It's like, you know, the things that trip your trigger, that might be one of mine, mm-hmm. but it was one of those repeat things and I was really frustrated and I verbalized it very well 
probably too much. <laughs> and my son just kind of looked at me and he goes, mom, you're just not happy anymore. And he walked off and I, it just was kind of like cold water had been dumped on my head. And I thought, what? Yeah. I'm not happy anymore. And I got to thinking, I was like, oh, I need to get a grip on some things. This whole, you know, the, the honeymoon phase being over, I've, I've got to start picking back up some of those nacho techniques instead of just letting life overtake everything because it has been crazy. I, I feel like it's, we've all been hanging on by the skin of our teeth just to get the bare minimum done because mm-hmm. it's been that insane. It's like, Nope, I've got to be more intentional, right? More intentional. And I thought, you know, my, my change, my stinking thinking gratitude journal, I need to go back to that. Yes, definitely. It needs to be a daily practice. And you know, that might be something good for stepson to do too. And your son. This is true. I, I have mentioned that. I mean, of course you can't make them do it. Right. I'm having to write in this stupid journal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're teenage boys on top of it, so they probably think it's really dumb. Yeah, that's true. But I I have mentioned that, like the the boot camp techniques that you taught me, I wrote down a few things for my stepson, not 30 days, just like a few days worth of things Mm -hmm. and some like a few days worth of gratitude things to sit here. You know, first I asked him if he wanted that before I did it because I didn't want to waste my time. Right. And he said, yes, I want that. I said, do you want your dad to do it with you? No, I want to do it myself. So he's got the tool in his hands to do that for him, but he hasn't touched it. <laughs> he's, so I'm like, well, teenage boy, got better things to do. And, you know, that's that probably seems like a really huge monumental thing to have to sit there and write things down whenever you're barely hanging on. And you've got all these other things going on that are messing with your mind. It's just maybe later. Yeah. Golly, I remember being that age. Mm-hmm. And things just seem so permanent. For instance, they do. You, yeah. you break up with your boyfriend. Oh, it's forever. I'll never find anybody <laughs> else again. It's the end of the world. <laughs> Everything is just so dramatic and it's hard not to be that way because number one, at that age, your brain's not even fully formed. Right. And the hormones all over the place. Yeah. And you don't know how to cope with those emotions. Most adults don't know how to cope with their emotions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, you know, after being blended for as long as we have been what did I say almost nine years Mm -hmm. yeah this March it'll be it'll be nine yeah it's just I don't think people give themselves or their stepkids enough grace Mm -hmm. to understand what the kids are going through like developmentally just I'm, I'm not even talking about trauma just developmentally where they're at what they can do and and handle and try to remind themselves of where they were at at that age if mm-hmm. you could do that, it would make something so much easier, or maybe you wouldn't even make a mountain out of a molehill. Right. Yes. So you're in a new stage of life, and he came to live with y'all full-time in November. Mm-hmm. So really, it's only been four months? Correct. Yep. Yep. Four months with the honeymoon phase ending about three weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. yep. So we still have quite uh <laughs> quite a ride ahead i'm sure <laughs> so three months is that was the honeymoon phase yes yeah 
I can see that. I can definitely see that. But then once the newness wears off and like you said, everybody gets in their routines and you start quote, quote, being yourself again, Mm -hmm. it's like, Ooh, okay. That was nice for three months. Now let's get back to reality. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a reality check for sure. And like I said, with what my son told me, I got to thinking probably two weeks ago, I had a migraine that lasted for like three days where I was like really pukey with it. I was, I didn't have a fever. I didn't have a bug. It was a migraine mm-hmm. and I thought it was weather change. And then I realized every time my stepson walked in the room or came back to the house from being with a friend, it would rage all over again. And I'm like, this is stress. <laughs> this is stress related. I am not handling things the way I thought I was or as good as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Maybe picked up too many things and need to go back to a different level of nacho for sure. Because it's just a shock to your system, everything that's happened. Yes. Your world is turned upside down and then everybody's back to reality. And that reality check is just huge. Right. And I don't know if you listen to our podcast the other week, which when people listen to this, it'll be the other month. But David <laughs> is going through a kid being estranged. And oh, we were, no. yeah. And we were talking about that. And he said, we don't want people to think that once you learn to nacho, that life is never going to have give you issues. You're never going to have problems. Mm-hmm. You will, but what you learn through the method helps you to not freak out over that stuff and helps you to respond mm-hmm. better to it and not be consumed by what's going on. Right. Right. It, it does. And, and sometimes you have to have that moment, that aha moment where you realize that's what you are in fact doing mm-hmm. <laughs> before you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I need to take a step back. I need to apply what I know, do what I, I know I need to do for myself because so often it seems like human nature is we just want to, you know, not work for the things. We just want the miracles to happen, but we actually have to work actively yeah, for ourselves and those around us. We can't just sit back and yeah. Hmm fix it all now, Jesus, which you can, <laughs> but it, when there's people involved and, and free will, it doesn't always work out that way. There is just, it's life. It's hard. Things happen. Nacho eb, ebbs and flows. Yeah, it does. You can't control other people. And no, one of my stepkids, it was funny. I said something to David the other day. I said, Oh, I can parent him now. And we both started laughing because we Ooh. know that's not true. I can give him parental advice and I can talk to him in a parenting way, but Mm -hmm. I'm still not the parent. And it's not like I can put him on restriction or tell him, you've got to do this, son. (laughs) But I have built those relationships with him to where I can sit down and go, dude, you are screwing up. I love you, but you are making a big mistake. Yeah. And they know it's coming from a place of love. Yeah. Because whenever you step back, like I told you, my, my stepson is a fan of Nacho. He doesn't know it's called Nacho. Mm-hmm. But he was like, that was the biggest catalyst for him to see what the real issue was. Because I was in the middle trying to fix everything. So therefore, it made me the target for all the things. And until I took a back seat, did he understand that, no, it was really his mother and maybe even his dad and mom's choice in, in parenting of him 
that caused a lot of these issues. Right. It had nothing to do with me because those, those issues preceded me because mm-hmm. it's, it's allowed us to have good moments, you know, where sometimes I can step in and say, Hey, you are screwing up, but it's not something that I can do all the time. Right. And we phrase it a little nicer than I did, but you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> because we can say, I'm concerned with the choices that you're making, that they will impact you in the future and prevent you from blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds much yeah, better, we, doesn't it? We definitely, <laughs> it does. Well, you know, we're in a household of very straightforward people. Like two of us are harshly blunt without meaning to be because this is <laughs> how quirky we are. Mm-hmm. We say it and we're like, oh, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. Um, and the other two are like, you can't be too real with me or I'll shut down. <laughs> Yes. So that is fun. But it, what's interesting is once my son started going through different phases, my husband kept trying to parent, which, you know, you you can be in a kid's life during the formative years and early stages and parent them and be fine, especially if they have that relationship with you. But once they reach the teenage years, for some reason, they get that, well, you're not my parent mentality even more. Mm -hmm. So my husband's had to learn how to step back. But what's interesting is, I think I talked about this in the academy with with you or one of the other ladies. My husband has always had a hard time applying the same rules and expectations to my stepson as he does my son. Mm -hmm. He's harder on my son. Of course. Because he's here full time. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, now that we're all under the same roof, (laughs) it's more (laughs) evident. And, uh, so my son will try to make points, you know, make a point with in conversation. And all it does is make my husband so mad and he'll get nitpicky about things that my son does. And sometimes I'll get giggly because it's so absurd with all the, the crap that he put us through with his kid. <laughs> so I'll get giggly and he'll know why, why I'm getting giggly. And sometimes I will voice it. I'll be like, that's so hypocritical. <laughs> and mm-hmm. He'll get mad. Like, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen your husband change to where he is being more even with how he's, quote, quote, parenting your son versus his son now? With all the stressors that have happened from November through here, it's nothing has been consistent. Follow through has not been key at all. And for my son and I, we are very routine. We are creatures of habit. It, it's We thrive on that. And my stepson does to a point. He resists it, but that's how he thrives. Mm-hmm. And when things aren't the same, he gets confused too. My husband's a fly by the seat of his pants, unicorn. Personality-wise, he's like color code yellow. He, everything's rainbows and unicorns. He's just the sweetest guy and nothing bothers him. Every day's a new day. He can clean slate it like nobody else. But whenever it comes to feeling bad for someone or enduring the same traumas that someone else has, he can't be the mean guy. Mm-hmm. So the extent of follow through that we've had or sameness between both the boys is once a month, they have to clean their room and, you know, clean their room, change their sheets, do the whole nine yards. It's, and then contribute to one household chore. I don't know about you, but growing up, we clean the house every week. And I had to help with all the things every day. Yes. <laughs> so and in my mind, asking once a month isn't a big ordeal. But but my husband's love language is also quality time doing fun things. Yeah. So having to do drudgery 
chores and tasks is horrid for him. It's just like the end of the world. So for him to make everybody do it once a month, I guess would be a big step for him. Yes. So just once a month, I'll take it. But um, some things are are kind of frustrating because he'll get annoyed with my son. One of the recent things is he's upset my son doesn't have a job yet. My son's 13 and a half. <laughs> his, <laughs> say that, say that his again. Son, your husband is upset that your son, who is 13 and a half, does not have a job yet. Yes. And, and the reason why is because so my husband's son spent every day up at his shop. My husband owns an automotive business. So he would be at the shop all the time. And he's a big kid. Like he's, when I say big kid, like he grew to the size of a man way before all the other kids. Mm -hmm. And so he's like a hoss. He can, he's really strong. He can handle all the things. So from the time he turned 12 or 13, I think when we recorded that first podcast, he started working for my husband through the summer, doing tire changes, rotations, oil changes, and handling heavy stuff. Well, this last summer, my son wanted to try to do that. My son's a little bean pole. He's tiny. <laughs> he can't handle any of that. <laughs> he just can't. Well, in our area, they don't hire kids until they're 15 to work places. I think there might be one place that he could get a job at 14. Otherwise, it's mowing yards. You know, if you know someone who will let you work for them on their farm or at their shop during the summer, maybe. But <laughs> because when my husband would come home, my son would be gaming. My son and his friends are huge gamers. And my exception is you have to have your chores done. You have to do all the things before you sit down and game. So my son does. He helps me. He does his chores. He does those things. And then he games. But my husband doesn't get home till eight o'clock. And why is he gaming? What's he been doing all day? <laughs> he needs a job. I'm like, well, um, he can't. And so then I, I laugh because before my stepson started, working for my husband at his shop. Um, but the few years I tried to watch him by myself prior to that, the kiddos spent from the age of four to nine at the shop during summer and school breaks in front of a TV and on electronics. So hours on end all day, every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when my husband got upset about that, I just started laughing I'm like, that is so hypocritical because you let your kid for years. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I remember so, my mom. Yeah. She would buy our school clothes and I was 13 and mm -hmm. she had picked out these horrible neon blue polyester pants and this bright yellow shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and. You know, now that I'm talking about this, maybe that's why I wear more neutral colors, browns, grays, you know, I'm just not, I don't know, she, she, something happened to me that day. But anyway, I complained about it. And so, of course, I got the lecture of how ungrateful I was, but I wasn't going to wear it. I wouldn't even wear it on Halloween. So anyway, she said, fine, I'll take it back. But you can buy your own beep school clothes from now. So, uh -huh. guess what? I told my daddy, I said, I need to borrow the lawnmower. And I went to the neighbors and I started cutting grass uh -huh. for money. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what 
spurred my my stepson to work more was because he was wanting like really super expensive name brand stuff. But keep in mind, he was growing so fast. Like we would change clothes size every month and a half or two months. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't even in in the equation of our budget (laughs) to go buy super expensive name brand stuff. Right. So his dad told him, look, we will buy you clothes, but it's not going to be those brands that you want. So if you want different brands, then save your money and you can buy it. Right. But we'll make sure you're covered and you look nice, but it might not be the brand you want. So Mm -hmm. that's funny. Yeah. Well, you said you thought that's why you wore darker clothes. My mom dressed me in the really bright florals during that time. You remember how big and bright those floral patterns were? Yes. That's all my mom put me in for years. So by the time I started picking out my own stuff, I went with the mute, like navy, blue, brown, (laughs) dark colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. How funny. I think that's why I do, because I remember looking at those pants and I can, y'all, I can still see them in my head. I'm talking <laughs> bright neon blue, and that yellow shirt. It, it was. Woo. <laughs> it was so bright it burned it in your memory forever. It did, and it was horrible, horrible. <laughs> I don't. You know, I'm starting to wonder if she did that stuff on purpose. Like, I'm going to make Lori dress bad. (laughs) (laughs) Stepmom on the crazy train, we are going to have to have you back in a couple years. (laughs) There you go. All right. Sounds good. Will do. Well, thank you so much for being a guest again and giving us an update of what I was going on and how things have changed. And I know you have given other stepmoms that have ended up with the stepkids full time a lot of insight. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for asking me. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Just like sitting down talking to a bestie. Bye. One of the things that we talk about also being the hardest thing for her was having that full-time stepkid has reset their blend, triggered her PTSD for her and her kid. We jokingly say post-traumatic stepmom disorder, but it is real. It is. I'm telling you. So don't dismiss it. And also, make sure you take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that don't just mean asking your husband to take the trash out. Yeah, take it out yourself. David, <laughs> these people have done nothing to you. <laughs> Get some fresh air. <laughs> we do still have some scholarships, courtesy of Sylvia Krakauer. If you're interested in applying for a scholarship... For the Nacho Kids Academy, go to nachokids.com slash scholarships. Yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Join us next week. And remember, life is good when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.